Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Yes, that line falls on the right, babe. Not that Maggie's. Back in time. Yeah, why not? It is 2 o'clock. Look at all Maggie's back. Yeah. Oh, the name that they open and everything. Sports Radio. Why not? I like it. We can do it at 2 o'clock. 206, McMonagle here with you. We're just getting started. Uh, that was a, threw me for a loop there. It is a five, it is a five-hour midnight ride, though, I promise you. I got you till 5 o'clock, another three hours, 877-337-6666. I don't know if, I think Jack might have just turned me on to something. Maybe we could do this every 2 o'clock. Right, Fleeg? You, you could be up for this. Gives you another chance to sing. That's true. Anytime I can sing, you give me an opportunity, you, I should take it. There's no doubt especially about it. Especially now it's not football season, but especially when we go back to football season and we take out Good Morning at 4 for Take a Chance. Right. Could throw this back in the mix. That's true. I know. And he's not. He he's, walked away, but I would imagine Marco yeah. loves it. I know. And un- unfortunately, I'm, yeah, we'll figure out a way. Next week, obviously, we'll have a Take a Chance on the Super Bowl. But then we got to figure it out how to get Take a Chance into the show regularly. Because the song just slaps, as the kids say. 877-337-6666. We opened it up with the Knicks, and we got to the Yankees. Burns traded to the Orioles, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I'm a Cashman defender. I'm a Cashman apologist. Where the hell was he? Where the hell was he? This trade should have been made. They should have figured out a way to, to... They should have been on this from the beginning. It sounded like they were just... Okay with the idea Burns wasn't going to get traded during the offseason and then step the Orioles. Uh, just a frustrating. Uh, this is the perfect guy for the New York Yankees. Now, go get Bieber. Go get. I know there's going to be clamoring for Bauer uh, as well. Go get Bieber. You got to add this starting pitcher, man, especially now. You are looking at, you know, the idea that. Yeah, this year, off of that season, you had to come into this year and really feel like you could legitimately say. Now, some people, even if some people disagreed, but at least you could have been. You sh- you needed to be able to say. You needed to give me a reason. A Yankee supporter, a Yankee defender, in many circles, you know, I've been called that, an apologist. You needed for me to be able to come on the airwaves and at least make the case that the Yankees are the best team in the division. And right now, as it stands, they are not. Doesn't mean they won't be. Doesn't mean the Orioles might not have a, a, a down season after an initial, you know, probably too good too early. And I don't think anyone was expecting the 100-win season last year. It was probably this year or even next year. But it, it popped up early. Maybe they have a regression of a season. Obviously, Wanda Franco and the situation going on there hurts uh, Tampa Bay. They traded away glass now. I don't know about the Red Sox. So, I mean, you could say that they're the second best, and if they made this trade for Burns, I could have went out there and said they were the best. 
But instead, the Orioles did it, who won 100 games last year and won the division. And right now, with their youth and now an ace at the top of that rotation, which is what they were desperately lacking, the Yankees coming off that offseason as presently constituted without doing anything else. And we'll see if they will. I don't think they are going to. But without doing anything else, the Yankees can't honestly say and feel confident in saying that they go into the season as the best team in the American League East. They just are not. And that's not good enough. They needed to go in being the best team in the American League East. Well, for that season, after getting Juan Soto, you had to do something else. I know they tried with Yamamoto, and I know that fell through. And that's why I was so mad about it, because I believed that was the one guy they would go over the line for, and the one guy they would push it for, and the one guy they would go over the luxury tags big time for and spend a lot of money for was Yamamoto. And when it fell through, I was really concerned we were going to have an offseason the rest of the way like this. Love Verdugo, a Love the Soto trade. I think the offense is going to be far better. And if Judge is healthy, I think that offense is going to be an, a, one of the better offenses, if not the best offense in the American League. But the rotation right now is just not good enough. There's too many questions. Could Rodon end up reverting back to Rodon and Nestor Cortez be great and Clark Schmidt make that next step and, and uh, you know, Stroman pitch like he did in the first half of the season for the Cubs last year? Sure. Could... Is it possible they have the best rotation in the sport? I mean, if every single possible thing goes right, then yes. But when the hell does that happen? It's just not enough. There's not enough security. And that trade for the Orioles is a great trade for them, and it pisses me off. And Brian Cashman, the Yankees, should have been on it. And the fact they weren't is really making me wonder if they understood. Because it seems like, oh, we'll get Soto, and that should appease everybody. Not this Yankee apologist. And if you're not getting me, I don't think you're getting many Yankee fans, quite honestly. 877-337-6666. And then obviously Brunson's a superstar. The Knicks can't stop winning. Nine in a row. And right now they are playing like the best team in basketball. They'll do whatever it takes to win. They're going to have a night where they shoot 20% from the three-point line. Then they'll figure out a way to get 60 rebounds and win the game that way. Like it's just it's been remarkable, and he is now an all star. We found that out before the game. We also found out that Randall is going to be reassessed in two to three weeks, which makes me think it's going to be a while. But maybe it'll be quicker than I'm hoping than I'm thinking. But right now, Jalen Brunson is an absolute superstar. You know, people are going to call up. He's the best point guard in the NBA. He's the best this. He's the best that. I don't know. All I know is he's the damn superstar. And honestly, I'm starting to think that he is good enough to be the number one on the Like, that's how good he's been and how good the Knicks have been since this Ananobi trade, even without Ananobi. Again, another night. No Randall, obviously. No Ananobi again. No Grimes either, and yet they step up and beat a Pacers team that's in the playoffs right now. This is not a rollover team. They're not one of the best in the NBA, but they're not a joke. They're not the Hornets. It's a legitimately good basketball team who scores a lot of points, and they held them to 105 points and they came back from 15 down and 10 down and uh, a big play late that that uh, gave them gave uh, Indiana the lead again. And they go on a, uh, the last two minutes of the game, they go on an 8-0 run to solidify a victory. And Brunson scores 40 points when you need him to. He's an absolute stud, and the Knicks are on a roll. I mean, what what an absolute time to be a Knicks fan. It's the best of it's the best in my adulthood by far. 
It's the best time to be a Knicks fan since I was 16, 17 years old. It's crazy. 877-337-6666. Howard in Forest Hills. What's up, Howard? Yeah. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? Okay, great. Uh, Every time you play uh, the Bobby Darren, I always think of his version of Beyond the Sea, which I really love. You know, but anyway, so here's the Bill Murray uh, film, uh, Mad Dog and Glory, with uh, Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, and uh, Bill Murray. And Murray's a gangster, and Robert De Niro's this introverted cop who likes Louis Prima records and stuff. And Uma Thurman is uh, Bill Murray's gift to uh, Robert De Niro in the movie. Uh-huh. And then they have one great scene with David Caruso, who plays a tough little cop, and like a bantam rooster, and he gets in a, in a fight that. In uh, the film, which is really uh, worth seeing, so I vaguely remember it. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it now. I I definitely have not seen the whole thing. I got to check that out. It's worth it because not only yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's unusual, but uh, Murray really sh- shows his range in this movie because right. he's playing against type. He plays, you know, a, a gangster, so he's like sly and seductive and mean and menacing and the, the whole gamut. It's not the usual Murray. Uh, uh, and also, the screenplay is written by a uh, novelist, Richard Price, who wrote a lot of very good screenplays like uh, Spike Lee's Clockers and stuff. If you Google Richard Price, and he's a good novelist. The unknown uh, uh, film, uh, which was a personal project of uh, Bill Murray, was uh, The Razor's Edge, which is based on a novel by Somerset Maugham. Uh, and it's the second version, in fact. The first one was like the 1940s with Tyrone Power. And basically, it's about man's search for meaning, you know, because after World War One, a lot of people were disillusioned with sure. life. And uh, so Murray's on a quest, you know, to find meaning in life. And uh, uh, the best thing I could say about Somerset Maugham is he writes entertaining stuff. It's storytellers. Uh, uh, page turners. Uh, it's overly long, but you know it's, it holds your attention. All right, cool. Uh, Thank yeah. you very much, Howard. I appreciate it. Um, my weird one, or my one that's not as popular that I think he's terrific in, and I happen to really love the movie is Life Aquatic. The Life Aquatic with Steve uh, Zuzu. It's my, it's my. Fa- it, I like it better than the Royal Tannenbaums. It's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I think Bill Murray's terrific in it. Uh, I love it. So that's my my out of the box one is Life Aquatic. If you haven't got a chance to check that out, it's it's very dry humor. Willem Dafoe is good in it. Like it's just he's a uh, an, an underwater explorer, famous, has a TV show, and he's going on his like some one last voyage. There's some good music in it to it. There's a guy on the ship the entire movie who's playing. Uh, acoustic David Bowie covers in French. And I know that sounds weird, but it's actually really cool. So I, I like Life Aquatic a lot. 877-337-6666. Lou in Asbury Park. What's up, Lou? What's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Good. I got to um, I gotta actually call and agree with you 100% on your take on um, Hal Steinbrenner. And, and, and I don't understand where all this... I don't really want to call it hate, but I guess like misunderstanding of the guy from the fellow Yankee fans. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like the guy, and, and I know that you are a uh, Cashman guy, but I feel like he's making Cashman kind of burn off his sins right now. All right, he, Cashman's put the Yankees in about a hundred to $110 million hole right now. Okay, you, you got about $55 million in dead weight on just two players. But if the right player comes about, 
he is willing to step up and, and, and pay the money. I, I no just doubt. feel like I just feel like he's not gonna open the checkbook and 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 kind of bail Cashman out on his bad contract. I think little by little, as some come off the books, some more mo- uh, more money's gonna go on the books. However, yeah. if the right player comes, he's gonna sign the check. He's gonna fly to Italy. He's gonna sign Judge. He's gonna do what he's got to do for the right player. It's just not gonna be a free for all anymore. No, I, I I totally agree. When it's, I mean, he stepped up for Yamamoto. He believed in Yamamoto. I mean, he drew the line at three hundred twenty-five million and getting to a bidding war with the Mets and Dodgers, and he gave more annual uh, money, he gave more AVV than the other two teams. He thought that would be good enough, and he didn't want to go any further than that. But he clearly stepped up and offered three hundred million dollars to a pitcher who never pitched in Major League Baseball before. He went and out. I don't... He went out and gave Cole his contract. He's willing to give Judge his contract. I totally agree with you. When a hundred percent. When they. When there is a player that they believe is the difference maker, when there is a player they believe is an absolute no-brainer, I think he was – honestly, I think he was one of the driving forces behind making the um, Soto trade. I think the Yankees were willing to wait and play the – and hold the hold the Padres up and wait to not have to throw King in that deal because they didn't know who else was – they, they figured he had to trade Soto. They weren't sure who else was involved. And I think the Yankees would have waited, and I think Steinbrenner said, screw it, I'm not waiting around, go get him. We need him, go get him. I, I agree with you 100%. I, and I don't even think Yamamoto gave the Yankees a fair shake in this whole thing. I, I believe that Yamamoto used the Yankees as kind of like a base level or, or like an entry-level offer and then placated them um, between the Mets and the Dodgers because I think the whole time he, he wanted to be a Dodger anyway. So I, I, I think yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's conventional wisdom. Yeah. I mean, we have we have no idea if that's true, but it seems to be conventional <laughs> wisdom. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, and again, not not that I want to rehash this, but I think if the Yankees would have given him more money, I think he might have still come to the Yankees. I think if the Mets gave him more money, he might have still come to the Mets. He wasn't like he'd rather have the Dodgers. All things being equal, I mean, yes, but. Uh, the idea that it was all just a facade and he was going to the Dodgers from the beginning. and like, I mean, we could say it, and there's no way for me to say no to it. All There's no evidence that in any way, shape, or form can point in the opposite direction because he ended up signing there. And what, he, and what he said at the press conference makes everybody think that he was going. He didn't say he was going to the Dodgers no matter what. He said he still would have come to the Dodgers even if Yama, even if Soto wasn't there. Uh, not Soto, uh, Otani. He said even if Otani wasn't here, I still would have come to the Dodgers. That doesn't mean he was coming to the Dodgers no matter what. They still had to give him the contract and the money. He was just saying it wasn't like oh you know, it was to come play with Otani. It was I love the Dodgers. I wanted to be a Dodger, but it was they need the money too. He never said I was going to be a Dodger no matter what. He said I was going to be a Dodger even if Otani wasn't here. It's not the same thing. So everyone ran with that. See, told you he was going to be a Dodger no matter what. No. If the Dodgers offered him $325 million, he was going to be a Dodger even if Otani wasn't there. That's what it meant. Peter and Clifton. What's up, Pete? Hey, uh, C-Mac. Uh, first time caller. Uh, I was probably first time listener. Um, I just want to say, when it comes to Corbin Burns. Yes. What are we going to give up for him? Like you said, um, like obviously we had to trade for him. We obviously traded so much. We traded uh, Michael King, um, Wani Peralta, just for Soto. What could we have given up if, without depleting our bullpen, or not our bullpen, our form system, for um, him? And then 
when it comes to the uh, Aaron Boone, I just want to ask, what time do you think when it is we, we reach the ALCS, we reach the playoffs constantly, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're, we're getting to these high points, but we're not reaching the World Series. What time do you think it is when it's like, okay, like maybe it is time to cut loose with them? I'll hang up and listen. Uh, thank you for the call, Pete. I don't know if there's an exact like, – I don't have something in my mind. I mean, this year is the last year of his contract, I believe. And so he's got to win. I mean, on some level, he's got to win. Get to the World Series, win a World Series. So I, I don't know if they'll give him a new contract. If they Certainly if they don't make the playoffs again, he's gone. Uh, there, there's a certain level. I don't necessarily have, like, I know he's the Yankee manager. And no Yankee managers had this long a tenure without winning a World Series. If he gets them to the World Series, or he gets them to Game 7 of the ALCS and, you know, Clay Holmes blows the game. Like, or loses the game in the ninth, like, do I think that he needs to be fired because Clay Holmes didn't get the last three outs? I, I don't know. Like, it, it comes down to circumstance. I think he's a good manager. I do. I think he's a good manager. I think that the team was far more the reason, and Brian Cashman putting together the team is far more the reason for losing than uh, Aaron Boone. I think the team loves him. I think the the Aaron Judge loves him. And that doesn't mean necessarily he's a great manager, but like I think the bullpen bullpen year in and year out performs well and has good numbers no matter who's in there. I think you know he messes with the lineup a little bit too much for everyone's liking, but I don't care where you were hitting these guys last year. Where, where are you going to hit? Where are you going to hit Franchi Cordero and Bowers where you feel good about it? Or just just leave Franchi hitting sixth; he'll come through. Like there's there's a limit on what he's capable of. And it's, you know, he's not a miracle maker. I think Aaron Boone's a fine manager. I think he's a fine manager. I think the team responds to him. I think, you know, he he defends the players. I think he's, you know, fairly good with the media. I have, and I, and I think people get on him for every single decision that goes wrong, like every other manager. If he brings in a reliever who gives up runs, Aaron Boone's an idiot. It's just, it's been that way forever. And is there a little bit of, like, okay, with the Yankees, we'll be fine? I'm hoping that, I think there's a little bit of that. I think there's a little bit of too much, like, hey, guys, don't worry, we're the Yankees, we'll be good, don't worry, we're good, we're good. Like, maybe a little bit more of a sense of urgency, but I think that inertly has to come through with the players. And sometimes, totally honest with you, I watch the Yankees, I think they're as tight as a drum. I, I don't I don't think it's too much... Loose stuff. I don't think it's like, oh, he doesn't have them wanting to win. I think when they start to get into funks, the the pressure of playing in New York and being a Yankee uh, makes them tight. And I, I just, I think he's a fine man. I have no problem with him whatsoever. I have no, I, I, I'm not looking to move on from Aaron Boone at all. Is there a shelf life where he has to win? Of course, we all have those. Everyone has those. He doesn't get a lifetime contract because I think he's an okay manager. You have to win. You have to win. I don't think he's been the reason they haven't. Put it that way. Do you think Do you think Aaron Boone's the reason they haven't won? I don't. Sal in Mount Vernon. What's up, Sal? How we doing? Uh, two quick things. One about the Super Bowl, one about the Yankees. You're 100% right. We need one more. I think we're short two players. We need a professional hitter. Not a superstar hitter. A professional hitter. A 280-type guy. Where? Knocks and runs. 
I'm the Yankees. We're short. No, we're no, where are, you gonna, where are you going to play him? Who's getting benched? Who's getting jettisoned? <laughs> well, all right, maybe. <laughs> I guess you got me there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know where you're going right. to play him. But I mean, if you're going to tell me you're just going to bench Stanton and have a, a professional DH, 280 DH, I mean, I don't think the Yankees are ready to do that. In fact, uh, they said not yet when asked if they could platoon him, which means, you know, Evan asked about a platoon with, with Stanton and just hitting against left-handed hitters and uh, pitchers, and he said not there yet. So at least that's open on their mind. But, like, I don't know where you'd play him. You're going you're gonna to get rid of D.J. LeMahieu and get a professional hitter to play third? Like, who are you getting rid of? You're going to get a professional hitter to play first and get rid of Rizzo? Your outfield right now is Verdugo, uh, Soto, and Judge. You're not gonna, those are three professional hitters, so I don't know, right. I don't know where you you're add right. one. It's a better lineup than I realized. And yeah. I, I agree with short one pitcher. I totally agree with you on the pitching aspect. Yeah. And I agree with you on Boone. Boone's not the problem. No. At all. I agree with and, you. And he's not Miller Huggins or the greatest manager I've ever seen. I mean, he makes plenty of mistakes. A lot of them do. But I think the team loves him. I think for the most part, uh, I, I have less issues with his in game decision making than a lot of people do. Uh, I, 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 I think he's a fine manager. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrific. But I certainly, I certainly. Do not think he's the problem. And you look back at last year, uh, look at that team. Look what he was given and tell me how he was supposed to take that team to the playoffs. They were awful. I totally agree. It's funny you brought managing up the Super Bowl. Both teams who got in there, in my opinion, got in because the coaching of the other teams was so bad. Like, I love Campbell. I'm a big Campbell fan. Yeah. He has a power running game. He stopped running the ball, and he stopped taking take three points, caught by three scores, as Tom had said. And Harbaugh, I don't know what him and his corner were doing. Yeah, they run the freaking ball I, I down the throat. Yeah, I have I have a lot more problems with the coaching staff of the Ravens than I do the Lions. Again, and you just said the key. You just said the magic word there. The take the three points. Uh, there's 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 no Dan Campbell was not afforded. He was not given three points. Dan Campbell wasn't given three points by the referees. They're like, all right, we're gonna put, just put it on the scoreboard. And Dan Campbell was like, no, no, no. Don't do that. He was not given anything. He passed up on an opportunity to score three for an opportunity to score seven. That's what he did. He At the end of the half, he chose to take the three points because that's a chip shot field goal. A 46 or a 48-yard field goal with that field goal kicker is not a given three points. It's just not. And I'm tired of hearing people say that. Take the three points. I heard Mad Dog must have said it a hundred times on on whatever that show is he does on ESPN. First take, whatever it's called. Yeah, take the three points. Like it's it. He wasn't given three points. Would I again? I would have kicked it. I would have attempted the three points. But let's not make it seem like it's a no brainer or that though you you're getting three points if you decide to kick. Like, I don't understand it. And, and you know, uh, Greg Olson uh, had a tweet that Fliegelman sent me the other night where he's 100% right. The analytic crowd who upset about the going for two-point conversion when you're down 14 in the first touchdown or, or talking about Dan Campbell's decisions to go for it on fourth down will bring up analytics and talk about how analytics doesn't take into consideration for the, for the situation. Analytics, it's just it's numbers. They don't know who's the, how good is that offensive line. How good is this? How you know 
what's the percentage of this? Like, you know, it's all it does is take uh, every single team in the NFL and then average it out when actually the teams are much different and situations different and they could be on their third string this or that blah 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 blah. And yet nobody wants to take the field goal into in, into account. Like they do not they didn't have Tucker. All right, Justin Tucker wasn't the wasn't the kicker. Butker wasn't the kicker. They did not have a they did not have one of the best kickers in the league. They had a, a kicker they picked up a month ago who from that range hits about 75% of his kicks. It's a 70 it's a 75% chance. What's fourth and 3 for that offense and the way they were playing in that game? It's probably right around the same. It's probably close. So stop. Just stop with the take the three points. You want to say he should have kicked it? Fair argument. I might even agree with you. Don't tell me he passed up three points. He passed up an opportunity for three points, for an opportunity for seven. happened you talked about it on the fan they knock off the mighty patriots 17 to 14 when new york sports happens talk about it here the fan 1019 fm and always live on the free odyssey app uh, 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 uh. 236 mcmonagle here with you 877 337-6666. Let's get back to the phones here. Paul in Chicago. What's up, Paul? Paulie. Yes. What's up, Paul? Lost in translation. Lost in translation, no doubt. Um again, I, I have believe. to I have to admit this. I don't think I've seen the whole movie. I know it's it's kind of what was the breakout role. For um, Scarlett, Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, it's the one that really put her on the map. Yep. Um, and Sofia Coppola directed it. And Sofia Coppola directed it. Yep. Um, again, I, he's like a he's an actor who who's doing commercials in 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 Japan, yeah, right? He's a, a fading, you know, American movie star, or whatever. And he he goes to Tokyo for, for, to promote Suntory whiskey. You know, kind of be an ad man. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, do commercials, yeah. Yeah, Lost in Translation, 2003. Uh, Again, never completely saw it. Um, Not seen the whole thing. It's a solid movie. Everyone loves it. And again, it is the kind of beginning of Scarlett Johansson's career. Although she was in some other movies as a child actor that I I, I didn't realize it was her until she became famous. Then you go back and watch. But that's a good one. Looking around that time, like, Bill Murray had a he didn't have like a Gene Hackman run that we were talking about but like there's different movies throughout all the like he has like a couple of movies back to back that are big like he has pretty much with a movie in between but he's got the Royal Tenenbaums which again not the not the main character of the movie but he's a big part of it right into Lost in Translation uh, Life Aquatic like he's got those three movies in like 4 years 
Um, he's the voice. He's the guy in Osmosis Jones. <laughs> Remember that movie? Charlie's Angels he's in, which apparently he was miserable on the set. Everyone hated him. And when they made the second Charlie's Angels, they replaced him with Bernie Mac. Uh, that's how. But uh, so apparently it was a horror show. But um, I, I uh, Life Aquatic is I'm trying to think of my absolute favorite. It's it's tough. There's so many good ones. I'm trying to think of uh, if not my favorite, like the best cat is Caddyshack. It might be his most iconic character, I suppose. And he's obviously terrific in it. Is it the best movie he's ever been in? And he's certainly not the lead, but that might be his best character. I love Groundhog Day. I mentioned that might be my favorite. Scrooge is a tremendous movie. Um, you know, there's so many, there's so many good ones. If you go back, Striped is hilarious. Stripes, excuse me, is right after Caddyshack. Stripes is great, and uh, John Candy, who might make this list because I love John Candy movies. I, Thanksgiving, they did a John Candy. Uh, Marathon, which is a brilliant idea. Forget playing Christmas Story every, you know, all Christmas Eve and Christmas Day on two different channels over and over again. Give me John Candy movies. I'm totally about it. Give me Bill Murray movies. I'm in. I'm in. Right? And then he's got that run, too. Again, what about Bob, Groundhog Day, and then Mad Dog and Glory, which I didn't have heard of, but it's with Robert De Niro and I'm um, Ernie McCracken in Kingpin is a, a great I don't know if you'd call it a cameo he's in it too much to call it a cameo but it's it's not his movie but he's great in that there's so many good Bill Murray you have a favorite either of you two I haven't asked you guys really on this we haven't incorporated you I have a question for one because you just mentioned a word cameo would you mention his role in Space Jam would you call that a cameo yes that I would call a cameo because when he comes back at the end, it's like, oh, you know, I, I always think of cameos, they pop up once. Once, and they yeah. go away. I, I still think it's 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 hardly enough where I'd call it a cameo. But do you have a favorite Bill Murray movie? I mean, it's, it's hard. For, you mentioned Stripes, which I love. And yeah. you, I, some of the movies you mentioned I do love. It's it's hard for me not to just jump at Ghostbusters. Yeah. I've been saving for that one. I've been saving that one. Uh, and obviously the new one, he's in the new one. Was he in the most recent? Was he in the, the other one? I haven't seen yeah, it Yeah, he was. He was in it? Him, Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson were in the, the most recent one. But it looks ago, like yeah. for the trailer for this one that they're going to be in it even more. Yeah, that's what it looks like, yeah. Um, but I, I've been saving Ghostbusters because I'm debating if I'm going to make it my favorite. I mean, it's a, it's a classic. I almost like Ghostbusters 2 better. I love Ghostbusters 2. And what about you, Jack? Yeah, I honestly I was I thought I was thinking Ghostbusters too. I was yeah. like I was like why hasn't he, why hasn't he mentioned Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters yet? also or Ghostbusters 2? Ghostbusters like the, the original. first one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you I know mean, what else he's great in and this is kind of a cameo but he like also shows up in a quick cameo in the second one, Zombieland. Yes. He is so good in that. I don't think I've seen the second one. I've seen the first one. Um he is very good in that. And a quick he uh this is TV but he plays a dead guy in Parks and Rec, and it's amazing. <laughs> I've never seen that. I didn't watch much of Parks and Rec. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other like little things he's been in. I, I mean, when I first saw role, Zombieland had, in the yeah. theater and he shows up, I mean, I was laughing for like a few minutes. Yeah, he had a small role in um, Tootsie. I remember that. Uh, he actually, I rem I remember this version of Hamlet with. Uh, can you imagine Bill Murray and Hamlet? 
Bill Murray played played Polonius, um, and it was in the uh, Ethan Hawke version of Hamlet. It's like takes place in modern day, and he plays Polonius. Can you imagine Bill uh, Bill Murray? Neither a borrower nor a lender be. I I just can't imagine. I got to go back and rewatch that and see how good he is as Polonius. Uh, like it, it, so it's it's the actual almost like the Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio where it takes place in, in takes it, place in modern times, but they use the old correct. The language is is Shakespeare. So the, yes, watching Bill Murray do, do Shakespeare, Shakespeare yeah, has yeah. to be fascinating. Yes, it was. I think he's got a big beard too. Uh, but yeah, he gives the whole uh, neither a lender Pretty random nor too. But I remember when I was younger, Garfield. Uh, he played. He voiced Garfield. Sure, he, he voiced Garfield. I remember Garfield. like being younger. Like anytime I heard his voice, like oh, it's Garfield. Like right. not like oh, it's Bill Murray. Like oh, it's Garfield. Right. And how about Jeez. this one? Just because we talked about Gene Hackman the other day, Bill Murray also in the Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, I did mention that. Uh, yes, he was in that too. Was, uh, again, another small role. He's one of the husbands, right? He's like the current. Is he? The, no, that's. Um, Danny Glover was like the current husband. I forget what Bill Mur- Bill uh, Bill Murray's role in that. He's also in Ed Wood. That Ed Wood is a great movie, one of Johnny Depp's best. If we ever do a Johnny Depp version, um, he was in Little Shop of Horrors for a brief moment. I could give you like one of the out of the box ones. This was a kids movie when I was a kid, so you you might have been too old for this. You might have missed it. Osmosis Jones. Yeah. He was the he was the guy. He was the the, the body, li- it was yeah. a live action animation mix, yeah. and he Chris, was the live action yeah. dad. And Chris, Chris Rock, Rock was the Osmosis yeah. Jones, and yeah, and so Lawrence Fishburne was, I believe, the villain. The the virus or whatever that was making him sick. Yeah, yeah, I remember Osmosis Jones. I mentioned I mentioned that too. Tim and Mil, what happened? All right, let's go. Melvin in Virginia. What's up, Melvin? Yeah, I, I still can't get over Bill Murray uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live. So, sure. Uh, I'm still I'm still stuck on those. Um, but uh, the Super Bowl, who you got winning that thing? I, I think in the. Uh, uh, I'm done betting. Um, I'm done betting against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm done I'm, betting with him. They they beat them last time. Uh, uh, Kansas City and yeah. beat uh, San Francisco. So. Uh, I'm thinking they're going to take them down this time. You like San Francisco in the game? Yeah, by uh, one. <laughs> by, by one. Okay, that works. Yeah, you got a you got a good field goal kicker. I hope. Okay, yeah, that that works for me. I got I got I do have the money line, but I also have them plus two and a half by one. I guess would work. If they're going to lose, lose by one. I'm done betting against Patrick Mahomes. I'm done. This defense looks legit right now. It's playing excellent football, and Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the planet. And Travis Kelsey has become rejuvenated and is playing some of the best football and, and without question, the best football he's played all year. He's, I mean, the the first half, I mean, he's been completely, you know, he was fading to the point where retirement was discussed. Like he, he looked like, and I know the rest of the weapons weren't as good. So maybe teams were focusing on him, but it just felt like that connection between him and Kelsey was starting to wane and since the playoffs hit, they have been absolute beasts. And that defense, led by Spagnola, is going to have two weeks to work on this offense. And I found that, and we'll get more into this as the week you know goes on. Spags versus that offense, and you know the the Spags versus Shanahan and that offense is going to be the most interesting dynamic of the game because Spags is proving himself to be. One of the great, just there's no doubt, one of the great 
defensive coordinators of all time. I mean, he his I know he's got Patrick Mahomes, but you know, he's won he won a Super Bowl with Eli Manning. It's it's just year in and year out. This guy is one of the he's just he's done an amazing job this year. And I'm I'm really interested what he's going to come up with two weeks. You would think, you know, that the 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 Chiefs' run defense was their weakest point. Uh, what was their weakest point uh, of their defense all year long? And that's why we were all puzzled by why Baltimore didn't run the football more. So you would think that McCaffrey and Shanahan and this um, San Francisco offense with Debo, even you get Debo mixed in with the run game, you would think that they're going to try and run the ball early. And make and you know and 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 make a statement and then work off the play action pass. So I would think they would try and run the ball early. McCaffrey, that's going to be one of my picks too. McCaffrey first half over rushing yards. I think they're going to try and run the ball early, set a tone, and then work off that. Make things a little easier for Purdy. Get a little play action pass. Make them focus on the run instead of doing what Baltimore did and just come out. You know, throwing the football all over the place. I think you have to learn from the mistake of Baltimore. So I would expect them to try and run the football. But ultimately, you know, Spags has just been so damn good. And Patrick Mahomes is so damn good. And Andy Reid is so damn good. that it, uh, And Kelsey is so damn good that as great as Debo is and as great as Ayuk has been and as great as um, Christian McCaffrey is and what Purdy has done here, especially in the clutch moments, uh, I just, I can't bet. I can't. How do you go against Kansas City anymore? I went against them. I went against them against Buffalo, idiot. Went against them against Baltimore, idiot. I can't do it again, and especially with the way San Francisco has been playing, needing to come back to beat the Green Bay Packers, needing to come back from seventeen down and have you know questionable decisions and fourth down plays and drop passes just you know to beat the Lions right now. I'm just, I I can't do it. I can't do it as much as I do believe overall soup to nuts. Roster, complete roster, uh, you know, put together. The 49ers are a better team top to bottom. They have more talent. They're a better team. But I don't go against Andy Reid. I don't go against Spags. I don't go against Kelsey. And I don't go against Patrick Mahomes. I can't do it anymore. I've been beat too many times. Joe and Nutley. What's up, Joe? Hey, Chris. How are you? How are you, pal? Good, great show, huge, huge Yankee fan. Thank you very much. Um, so I don't usually call only because I'm usually asleep at this time, but um, you and Keith are the first couple ones I listen to in the morning on the Rewind. And oh, thank you. I appreciate You're welcome. I appreciate all off-season you're talking about the Yankees. It keeps my um, baseball season yeah, alive. Yeah, well, you know, and every morning at 4 o'clock, it's Yankee Hot Stove, so you know it. I'm, t- I'm talking baseball. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Absolutely love it, and I'm also becoming a fan of the other sports. I don't like... I like the other sports. I just don't love them the way I do the Yankees. Sure. But just the way that you bring it and your knowledge and your passion for it, it makes me look forward to watching the Giants. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank I appreciate that. So, That's very kind. Thank you. So um, I, I was telling Keith last night, and now I feel even more um, convinced as far as the rotation goes. Remember in 2021, our rotation was Garrett Cole. With Garrett Cole, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And then as long as Tyone and Kluber were healthy coming back from injury, as long as Montgomery was fully healed because that was his first full season after Tommy John, right. and as long as Herman was okay. We can't be as long as we're the Yankees. That is totally unacceptable. Look at what happened in 2021. We were burned yeah. out. And we got beat up in the playoff game. And now 
we're basically doing the same thing this year after Cole. Cole was basically our Aaron Rodgers. He's, he goes down. We are screwed. Now, you could say the same oh. thing about Judge, but we did kind of have a backup plan. Stan would have hit and been healthy. We don't have a backup plan for Cole. And now that Baltimore got mm-hmm. burned, that is the worst possible thing for us. Because even if Baltimore was to, like, be miserable this year, which they're not, there's no way they're trading burns to us. Absolutely not. So yeah. we need we need to step up our efforts now. We need to, well, I agree with you. They need another starting pitching. I I will say the next year, twenty twenty two, they had the same they had the same dynamic. I mean, it was still Jamison Tyone, it was if ne- it was Nesta Cortez, uh it was Luis Severino, Domingo Herman, and they had a great rotation at the start of the year at least. You know, uh, James James Tynone pitched to a three point nine one, Nesta Cortez to a two four four. Luis Severino only made uh, 10, 19 starts, but he threw a three point one eight. Domingo Herman had a three six. So I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I've been saying it all morning. You need another starting pitcher, but I don't think it's it I, don't, I don't think it's so far fetched. And the way you say like, oh, this is the Yankees, it's unacceptable. One of those. You know, question marks is the guy they gave $165 million to last year. I mean, I, I know it didn't work out. I understand that. And that's on them that they signed a pitcher who had a miserable first year. But, I mean, he was the best free agent available last year, this side of Jacob deGrom. Like, that, he was the premier pitcher to go get. I think people were concerned about giving him a sixth year, not the first year. They went out and got Carlos Rodon, who had two back-to-back years where he led the National League in in strikeout percentage and strikeout rate and swing and miss and like you know he was I remember last year when they they do this dopey list every year the top ten of every position MLB Network does the top ten they the shredder and all that and Garrett Cole was the fifth best pitcher in baseball and Rodon was the third so I know that sounds completely crazy now he was awful last year my only point is is the Yankees did go out and try and buy a pitcher last year and he's a question mark because he failed but. He he did he, they did give him 165 million dollars or whatever it was 160 million dollars. So when you say it's unacceptable for the Yankees, what you're really saying is is you're it's unacceptable to be wrong, which is tough. But they've got to get a better track record. And once you realize you're wrong, or it's it be that 160 million becomes a question mark, you do have to do something to bolster that rotation. And they they they're hoping that Marcus Stroman can be it. And to be fair. I mean, Marcus Stroman did pitch like like an ace at the first half of the season. He was one of the best pitchers in the National League. And then injuries slowed him down. There's a chance Marcus Stroman is a great signing. There's a chance. It's not it's not that out it's not that outlandish to think that Nesta Cortez can come back and be good, Marcus Stroman can come back and be good, and Rodon can revert to some sort of level of of success. I mean, last year he was just so bad. There's no way he's that bad again. Steve in Orange County. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's going on, Chris? What's Thanks up, for taking my call. You got Great it. Not so much. Hey, yeah, so uh, thinking forward to the trade deadline with the Yankees, um, it, it worries me because just the past two that come to mind with Sonny Gray yep. and uh, Montas with the pitchers, yeah. you know, both of those we, we struck out miserably. I agree with everything you're saying with Bowen. I think he's a good manager too. I, overall, I kind of I'm, I'm not saying I like Cashman, but I feel like he's done okay. But just, like I said, just these uh, these recent um, yeah. signings. And am I missing anything with the with the 
with the pitchers and the trade deadline, aside from those two guys, I feel like I'm missing somebody else. Um, to go out and get a pitcher at the trade deadline. Um, yeah, where it didn't work out for us. Yeah, I'm, I no, I mean, I, I think that's about it. I'm trying to think. You're right. I mean, that was a bad one. Uh, and and again, Sonny Gray. I mean, and not to not to argue uh, Cashman's talking points necessarily, but he mm-hmm. he has been successful everywhere else. Right. Like it's it's on the Yankees. <laughs> it's on the Yankees for not allowing that to be successful, and for some reason, you know, creating an atmosphere where he couldn't be successful. I don't know how much of it was New York. How much of it was just was the one. pitching coaches didn't work with Sonny Gray. But it's hard to kill Cashman on that trade when they traded for the ace of the Oakland A's, who was terrific before and terrific since. Like, it just didn't work here for whatever reason. And Montas, they took a shot and hoping a guy could be healthy. They're trying to win a championship. Would you have rather have had them just sit on their hands and not try and help the rotation? And I understand they traded Montgomery, but they got a player who was their best hitter in the postseason. Like, they they traded away Montgomery. Yes, one he wouldn't have become what he had become uh, outside of New York in New York. I, I firmly believe that he needed to leave to become as good a pitcher as he's been. It wasn't going to happen for the Yankees, so they didn't trade for that. I mean, they didn't trade away the current Montgomery. They traded away a lesser Montgomery, which was still pretty good and better overall than Bader. But they made a move on what they thought would help them better in the postseason, and you can't argue that it did. We've been complaining year after year. It's the offense. It's not the pitching. It's the offense. It's the offense. It's the offense. They traded for their best offensive player of the postseason. Bader was by far their best offensive player. He won them the Cleveland series. If Bader is not in the Cleveland series, they don't get out of that ALDS. And then he had a 1.2 OPS in the, the Astros series as well. I know they got swept, but if if Judge hit like Bader, maybe they wouldn't. Instead of Judge getting one hit in the entire series, you know, if he hit like Bader, maybe the Yankees would have won a game or two or actually made a series of it. Who knows? So I, that trade doesn't bother me as much as some people do. But, yeah, no, there's been starting pitching besides the, the couple of real big wins in free agency, which are the – you want to say the obvious ones? I think that's somewhat fair. CeCe Sabathia was an absolute beast for Milwaukee down the stretch, had already won a Cy Young in Cleveland, and was just a dominant force that took that single-handedly put the Brewers on his back and took them to the playoffs. And he was an absolute stud. So you want to call that a no-brainer? Fine. I mean, I don't know if Tanaka was a no-brainer, but you expected him to be good. Uh, he was the best pitcher in, in Japan, and he came over and he was you know, excellent at first and then became a really solid pitcher for them. And then obviously now Garrett Cole, and who is clearly the best pitcher available on the market, and they went out and got him, and he's clearly been a great signing for them. But yeah, besides that, since Andy Pettit, not a lot of great developing of any kind of starters. I mean, it's Luis Severino, and that's about it, and he's been obviously hurt, and we'll see what he does for the Mets this year. But the minute he signed that extension, his arm fell off. It has been a tumultuous problem for the Yankees in the starting rotation. And we'll see if they can do anything to fix it. We'll see how it ends up. 877-337-6666. But I do not think they're screwed. I don't think the rotation's terrible. I don't think everything's going to be a disaster. And, you know, the way it currently is is unacceptable for the Yankees. I mean, I don't know about unacceptable. I'd like them to go out and get a second. I, I want them to go out and get another pitcher. It's just not good enough on paper. It's not a guarantee. I wanted the guarantee. And Juan Soto... 
being here for one year, you have to go out and give this team this year a legitimate chance to be the best team in the American League. Like, you just have to do that because who knows what next year brings. I want to win this year with Juan Soto. That's what I want. I want the Judge and Soto back-to-back in the middle of that line of devastating pitchers. I want that to guarantee. I want that to win a world cha- a world championship. Now, if he signs long term, I'll feel better about it, and we'll go about trying to make you know each year a championship year. But right now, I don't know if he's a Yankee in twenty twenty five. I only know he's a Yankee in twenty twenty four. And while you had that dynamic, you should have done everything possible to bolster the team. And the rotation is just not good enough. 